VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so... <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting greedy podcast here. I've seen you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Tuesday, February 7th, and we are here at Super Bowl Radio Row, or as some people want to call it, Podcast Pit. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Hey, that, the voice you hear here is Charles McDonald. Uh, we're talking to plenty superstars this week, but we got the biggest catch here <laughs> for today's episode to start us off here from Radio Row. Uh, before we jump into it, I do want to say I appreciate uh, everybody giving me a week off from the show. I had a, had a tough week. A, a good close friend passed away from back home and the break was needed. The break was appreciated. Uh, but we're here, Charles. We're here live at Super Bowl Radio Row. And we got a lot to get into today. We're not going to talk as much Super Bowl because, like I said, I haven't been on the show in a week. A lot of stuff has happened. Oh, yeah. You've been busy. You've been jet-setting everywhere, buddy. How you been? I'm tired, bro. Like, <laughs> I, look, I, I'm blessed. I'm happy. I'm thankful that I'm here at the Super Bowl. But a week in Vegas is still a week in Vegas. Dude, I asked uh, you yesterday, when is the last time you had a vegetable? Um... I mean, it, it, it was recently, but it hasn't been often. Yeah, if, that, <laughs> if, if that's a fair answer, uh, I did. I went to Hell's Kitchen uh, on Saturday before I left Vegas, uh, and I did have some vegetables then. That's so, good. Uh, I haven't been like completely living foul, but like I said, I still did spend a week in Vegas, yeah. and then I flew straight here. That's a lot, man. Uh, well. My thoughts are with you. Uh, my thoughts are with your entire digestive system right now as Thank well. You. I know that's always tough for me when I'm on the road. Uh, I made sure to stock up on all the necessities this morning uh, since I got in at 10 p.m. last night and immediately uh, started going to a bar with you, which was a, t- a tough decision, but it was yeah. my decision to make. All right, let's jump right into it. We're going to jump into some news here, and we're starting with a huge item here, Charles. Listen, AFC legend played for you know a, a big-time team in that conference for a long time ended up finishing his career with an NFC playoff team from last year. And, you know, they, they were a big, relevant team. We got a legend retiring here. A.J. Green has called it a career. He retired. Yeah, and this is kind of like, well, it, it's, it's kind of a sad moment, right? Because we're seeing, at least for me, and I'm, I'm assuming for you, like the, the, the best draft class that we kind of watched growing up Dude, yes. is exiting the league, that, that 2011 class. So you have... Uh, like Cam Newton was the first pick. He's essentially out of the league. Uh, Julio Jones is on the downturn. J.J. Watt just retired, and now we have A.J. Green. Uh, you know, it, it really is kind of a moment where we're seeing this era of NFL superstars start to walk out of the door. So to see him retire, uh, it, it kind of gives you a chance to reflect on how good he was at yeah. his peak. Uh, there's a reason why he was a top-five pick. He's considered an elite receiver, a Pro Bowl receiver. Uh, a guy who at one point seemed to be on clear Hall of Fame trajectory before some injuries yeah. uh, got him over the back half of his career. But, yeah, A.J. Green, definitely one of the greats of this area, uh, calling it quits. Dude, I kind of feel like he's going to be underrated in, like, the history books a little bit because, you know, he played, like you mentioned, Julio Jones kind of outshined him from that same draft class. He was sort of playing at the same time as, like, prime A.B. and, like, prime A.B. You know, <laughs> we know what's happened since. Yeah. But at his peak, uh, he was, like, a top-five receiver to ever play. And I think he's going to kind of get forgotten behind those two guys in the same era. You know, other greats played at the same time. Des Bryant, Demarius Thomas. Calvin uh, Johnson. Yeah, Calvin Johnson, obviously. So, But at, at, at his highest highs, he was as dominant as any of those guys. Yeah, and if, if you even remember back to that 2011 draft when the Falcons made that trade up for Julio Jones, which obviously ended up working out for them. Yeah. Their initial target was A.J. Green. Yeah, in, that's in right. In that draft class. So 
they weren't able to get high enough for AJ and had to settle for Julio Jones. <laughs> and, and like I said, that, that 2011 class is, it's insane outside of like the quarterbacks that got taken that year with, uh, uh, Jake Locker, Christian yeah. Ponder and Blaine Gabbert, uh, Blaine, Blaine Gabbert still holding it down. Yeah, yeah, he, he was he was sandwiched in between Tyron Smith and JJ Watt in that draft class. So uh, didn't really work out. Yeah, yeah, but AJ Green he he was he was as good as any of those guys because there was there were debates back in the day that were valid. AJ Green, Julio Jones, AJ yeah. Green, or Antonio Brown, and uh, like you said, I think he's going to get lost and underrated a little bit because he wasn't healthy for the final stretch of his career. Yeah, especially you know. This last year in Arizona, it was like, I mean, it was clear that, that it was over for him. But I made the joke anyway, the longtime AFC, uh, you know, playoff team, all that type of stuff, because we did actually get another guy who played in the AFC for a long time that just retired as well. Tom Brady, actually, uh, ret- T- Tom Brady. OK, um, the model. Yeah, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I can't with the Tom Brady underwear model picture, uh, but I don't even know if we should spend any time on Tom Brady because he already retired. He already had his moment, but he's he's retired. Do you actually believe he's never going to play football again? Yeah, I think he's done. I, <laughs> you know, the, not to, like, speculate too much, but it seems like there's been a great personal cost to him. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. 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 Coming back uh, to play for a team that obviously wasn't going to go very far this year. So, yeah, I, I think he's done. And yeah. But the thing is, is, the only thing that's kind of interesting to me is that when you watch him play, like, he still could still start for a handful yeah. of teams, which is kind of crazy to say about a 45-year-old quarterback. It's not like he had gotten to a point where he just couldn't play anymore. Yeah. He just decided to call it quits after, like, 22 years and seven Super Bowl rings, which is... I had for, I'd forgotten that he said, I think it was, like, around 2014, uh, he was like, I'll play until I, like, until I suck, then I'll stop playing. And, I mean, he didn't suck last year. He yeah. was still, like, yeah. a, a top... 15-ish type of quarterback like he could I feel like he could be that for the Raiders or the Titans or something next year but honestly like what's the point as you mentioned it's it's come at a great personal cost uh you know for all different reasons Uh, (laughs) so yeah I think I think it's about time for Brady um it leaves the Bucks and I guess that was sort of the reporting coming at it from like Jeff Darlington was that he was either going to retire or he was gonna go back to Tampa which I mean that's interesting all on its own but he's he leaves the Bucks in a bit of a weird spot because they have an older roster. They have got, I mean, they could probably add a Derek Carr type and still be a, probably the favorite to win that division, but it leaves yeah. them in a bit of a weird spot. Well, that's what I'll be trying to do. Uh, I, I know they have Kyle Trask on the roster, but yeah, that, that, I don't think that pick has really materialized into being anything. But when you look at the rest of the NFC South, there's no reason for Tampa Bay to punt on what they've built so far. Yeah. You know, you Derek Carr being able to come in, and be a starting quarterback for them potentially, that would still, to me, at least be like by far the most talented team 100%. in the NFC South if they can keep you know some of the offensive nucleus together, or you know maybe even flip some pieces on the offensive line. But th- there's no reason to be afraid of Carolina or yeah. Atlanta or New Orleans if you look at Tampa Bay and what they have, at least just for like a one or two year stretch. Mm-hmm. Maybe when we talk about down the future, those teams have built something, but for the immediate future. You should definitely be trying to get your hands on a veteran quarterback because I, I there's you don't need to blow it up and tank just yet when the rest of the division is as bad as it is. Yeah, I guess it's not as weird of a spot if you just decide to find one of these guys like a Derek Carr, even like a, a Jimmy G or something like that. I don't know that Jimmy G's like moving the needle that much, but somebody on the car tier I think would keep them. I mean, shoot, I guess even a Jimmy G type would keep them in contention for that that division lead at yeah. this point, just because of, like you mentioned. Yeah. Well, Carolina is interesting though, and I, I do want to talk about them here in a minute because um, we touched we touched on Frank Reich, I think, right before the conference championship games. But I do like that hire. They hire Azuro Evero as their defensive coordinator. That feels like a really strong get for them. They also brought in a couple other folks to the coaching staff as well. I, I do kind of like what they're building, at least from a from a staff perspective. Yeah, they they seem to have started to right the wrongs, I think, of the, the Matt Rule era. Yeah. And the thing with, with, with Matt Rule, and when you take a swing that big on someone like Matt Rule and it flops as bad as it did, you, you, you're just trying to, like, get back on first base. Mm-hmm. 100%. We, we need to start looking like a football team again. You know, so a, a team that has a professional identity. And obviously they started to find that when Steve Wilkes was, when he took over as the interim coach over the back half of the season. But Frank Reich, like, that's a, Good first base hit. Yeah. We we have a guy who can coach quarterbacks, who can get his back to having a structured, organized offense. And then to kind of luck out and get uh, Averro after, 
you know, the Broncos kind of held him hostage for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's a hell of a staff. Uh, and and it, it should keep the, the Panthers defense strong because even as it, it got a little weird there with the Matt Rule stuff, yeah. the, the Panthers defense was still performing at a fairly high level throughout yeah. that. So uh, I think to get at least just the the continuity of a strong defensive mind on that part and someone who likes to run the same kind of fronts and coverages that Phil Snow did – uh, it's a, it should be a pretty good fit for them. Yeah, and they've got—I mean, they've got players over there too. Obviously, Brian Burns. They've got guys in the secondary that should be fun. Uh, I'm if they get the quarterback right, and I it did I did see today that they want to go the younger route. They don't want to, and I think like you know Frank Reich's been on that veteran quarterback carousel. The Panthers have been on that veteran quarterback carousel. That's enough already. Let's get off that and let's do something with like a young guy or something like that. I'd love to see Frank Reich actually be able to draft a quarterback, groom him, develop him because that. That division is there for the taking, and, and they have some talent as well. Anthony Richardson. That would be fun. It'd be fun. That yeah, would be uh, fun. Who knows if it'll work, but it'll be fun. At the very least, it would be fun. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned the Broncos. Uh, since we have last podcasted, they hired Sean Payton. What was your reaction to uh, to the Payton thing? And also, what was your reaction to uh, him finding out that, you know, Russell Wilson had, like, his own coaching staff uh, on site, and he's like, ah, that's foreign to me. We're not going to be doing that anymore. Uh I know a lot about Sean Payton just as a being a Falcons fan for most of my life. I mean, that that guy. Sorry about that. I know. Yeah, I, yeah it, it's not fun. But <laughs> I have a lot of experience, like, reading about Sean Payton and stuff like that. So I it, it just seemed like it was perfectly on brand for what he is about, which is yeah. he wants to be in control. 100%. And given his track record, why shouldn't he want to be in control? It's not like he's an, an, an unknown uh, entity taking over this Broncos team. He's a Super Bowl winning coach that basically every single year he's been in the NFL has had a rock star offense in some capacity or, uh, you know, giving himself an edge on offense in some way, shape or form. So I, I, I thought it was funny when, you know, or the idea that, that Sean Payton would even consider having an outside quarterback <laughs> yeah. coach. He, he's a control freak. Uh, there, there's no way that that would happen. And I, 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 I think that, it, it, it'll probably be good for Russell, too, just to kind of yeah. be able to take a step back from the way that you've been doing things over the past two years, which is not worked, yeah, not yeah. worked at all. And then I, I don't know. I think when you watch some of the uh, the late season games from the Broncos, I, I don't think that Russell Wilson is totally cooked. Yeah, I, I think that this is still kind of a, a salvageable situation, even if he never reaches the peaks that he had in Seattle again. So uh it, it's it's going to be a different it's going to be a different uh, operation from Nate Hackett to, yeah. to Sean Payton. That's what I'll say. Hackett even said last offseason, like, "Oh, this is it's all about Russ. Like, whatever what Russ wants to do, that's what we're going to do. It's definitely going to swing the complete opposite direction. Like any suggestion that you know Russ, like, well, I want to do this or I want no, no, we're going to do what Sean Payton wants to do. And I agree with you that. Russ is never going to probably return to like top five quarterback form, but if he can get back to being like a top 15 level starter, you know, it's a tough division. It's a tough conference. I don't know exactly where they'd go with that, but it's certainly like a, a sort of salvageable situation. And if it's not, if Russ is just totally cooked or he can't meld with Peyton or whatever, then you have a great head coach who's built great offenses before and you can just move on to the next chapter. Yeah. The, you, you still have the, the hurdle of having to play Patrick Mahomes, who is here, yeah. uh, and Justin Herbert four times a year. So uh, it, it's not going to be easy f- for the next 12 to 15 years no. over there in the AFC West, as long as those guys are healthy and playing at a high level. So uh, you, you, you at least got to try. You yeah. know, you, you got to try. That's the thing. I remember last offseason when they make the Russell Wilson trade, they make all these big moves. It's like, well, what are they doing? You know, competing to be the third best team in their division. It's like, well, then you got to do something. You yeah. can't just, you can't just sit around and do nothing. Yeah, it's like, well, shoot. I guess we'll just uh, we'll just hang out until Mahomes retires. Yeah, yeah. I'll be forty when that happens. I'm not. I'm not. You can't sit around for that long. Man, talking about turning forty, talking about these guys from 2011 retiring. Uh, I'm, we're we're showing our age here, man. That yeah, is, that is for sure. A yeah. um, couple other coaching things. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's hired by the Texans. That's a great move from them. Uh, you know, it's another guy like I remember playing. You know, like Madden franchises right, with, with yeah. D'Amico Ryan's. And now he's yeah. a head coach in the NFL. That definitely makes you feel old. Oh yeah, uh, but I, I love this hire for the Texans because they they in a in a way that is much more severe than the Panthers needed uh just a, a level of respectability you know yeah like we're we're trying to do things the right way yeah. after a year you're I mean you're hiring your 
you're on your fourth head coach in four seasons. Oh yeah. So uh, obviously things are, have not been going well. Uh, but th- this hire, it, it makes them a little bit more credible yeah. as far as uh, maybe the team that they want to be, uh, the the type of organization that they want to be, and and quite honestly, like mending relationships yeah. with the old Texans players. Like this is a, a huge part of that. Uh, at D'Amico's press conference, you, know, you have guys like Andre Johnson who has had his beefs with yep. the Texans organization. He's back and and uh, seeming to enjoy the day. You know, you you just kind of needed to get things right beyond what's going on in the football field mm-hmm. for for Houston because. A, lo- a whole lot of things have not gone right for them over the past three years from, you know, the the head coaches to the Deshaun Watson organ- right. situation to the Jack Easterby stuff. Uh, and just getting to, to start looking like a franchise with a plan and a vision again by bringing in an, uh, a former player who was great and is objectively qualified for the job. It's a slam dunk hire. So we'll yeah. see if it works out. But even like I, the way I feel about the D'Amico hire is that even if it doesn't work out, the process is so strong that it's hard to fault them in in going in this direction. One hundred percent. It's a it's a great hire regardless, but the fact that it comes with good vibes is an even bigger benefit to right. them and for D'Amico too. I think because uh, it was you know like two one and done coaches right before him he gets the six-year deal that whole thing that's a that's a big win for him as well so uh, I, I i'm definitely interested to see what he uh, does with that roster which is to call it a blank slate would be uh generous oh uh, yeah it, 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 this this is like the texans are at the point where if you take over a madden team that's like not quite there you just blow it up yeah that, that's what you're looking at it, it's bare to the bones but they still got some building blocks like uh, Derek Stingley, Laramie Tunsil, if he wants to resign, yeah. so we'll see what happens. Damian Pierce, running back, looked good last yeah, t- year. T- t- one, yeah. I, I keep uh, holding out uh, the candle lit for Nico Collins as a guy that might be a breakout receiver. Uh, you know, I almost said Brandon Cooks, but Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is no level of good vibes that can restore uh, that thing, which I still don't understand why Brandon Cooks signed that contract extension. I get it. I get. Well, I get it, but somebody else would have given him money too. I yeah, mean, but sometimes they stare at you in the face. And you're just that's like, a fair point yeah yeah that's a fair point i would probably i would probably have done it as well all right a couple other things i'll just throw these in uh and you could tell me what you think uh, a couple of these coordinator hires i mentioned Jiro evero to uh, the panthers brian flores gets a, the dc job with the vikings kellen moore offensive coordinator with the chargers we're going to break that down with austin later in the week and of course you mentioned steve wilkes he is the new 49ers defensive coordinator oh i like uh, i don't see like i kind of like all of those moves for the most part uh kellen moore to the, the Chargers is probably the one I'm most excited about. Just mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I never really thought that Kellen Moore was the problem in Dallas. Same. Um, I, I kind of think where they faltered down the stretch was, one, they ran into a really good defense with the 49ers, right. which is sometimes those guys get paid a lot of money too. We just saw, we just talked about D'Amico Ryan's getting a head coaching job. Uh, and they had some personnel issues where, you know, they, they haven't like perfectly – figured out like the new iteration of their offensive line. They have had some wide receiver issues with Michael Gallup being injured and not really being able to find like a super solid person yeah. to uh, kind of compete with him across from CeeDee Lamb. So I always thought that he did a, a good enough job to be considered for head coaching stuff. Uh, and I guess they decided they needed a shakeup and that shakeup to me is going to really benefit the Chargers and, and, and what they're trying to do here. So uh, that, I think that's a big win for Justin Herbert to get someone who will let him throw down the field. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah. a guy that I think has a few more modern concepts integrated into his offense than, than a guy like Joe Lombardi, who, you know, I'm, most of the Chargers players seem to speak highly of Joe Lombardi, and he seems mm. like a good teacher and all that type of stuff. But again, I think they ran into way too many walls uh, as as an offensive unit, as an offensive design. And I, I think Kellen Moore, you could probably pick some nits with like, the sequencing of his play calls, but mm-hmm. from a design perspective and the way they integrate like motion, play action, and, and some, you know, interesting formations, I think will be a big breath of fresh air in LA. Yeah. The problem with, with Joe Lombardi is, you know, you're driving a Ferrari 40 miles down the highway. Yeah. Come on. Come man. on. Let's, let's hit the gas a little yeah, bit. Let's, let's hit the gas a little bit. I think that Kellen will unleash that in a way that Joe didn't want to. And on the flip side, too, um, I'm not jazzed about like Mike McCarthy the play caller in Dallas, but it's definitely a, hey, if I'm going down, I'm going down on my terms type yeah, of thing for yeah. Mike McCarthy. There's worse places to be than having Mike McCarthy as your play caller. Yeah, you, you could do worse. You could definitely do worse, that's for sure. All right. That's all the stuff you've missed. 
I'm just tossing these cards here. <laughs> now I'm no longer a professional broadcaster. Uh, all right, Charles, we mentioned you've been on the road. Um, we're going to get a couple of your quick thoughts on the events you've been to lately. Um, the Pro Bowl. It was fun. The new format. What, what do we think? Uh, it was fun. I was I was on the ground for the uh, the skills challenge where they were doing like the precision passing stuff, uh, dodgeball. They had like a tournament where they were tossing water balloons at each other and trying not to drop them. Uh, it, it was fun. I mean, there were some mixed reviews from the players uh, mm. in terms of whether they thought it was stupid or yeah. whether they were having a good time. Some guys still wanted to play in a game like Max Crosby. Uh, yeah. But a lot of the other guys were like, eh, this is cool. I'm not having to put the pads on again after, you know, 17, 18, 19 games of just getting yeah. beat down. So. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, just the the, the atmosphere was really relaxed. I uh, uh, got to hang out with Ray Lewis and Peyton Manning for a little bit during the week. That's uh, cool. Just uh, a big name drops. Yeah. <laughs> 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 just a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, and you know, just seeing seeing the guys out and enjoying themselves. It, it was a it was a fun week in Vegas for sure. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm kind of excited to see like how they they tweak it moving forward because. Uh, I thought the flag football game was a whole lot of fun. The move the chains uh, thing where they were pulling the uh, the, the sleds uh, after they yeah. dropped the weights off. It was fun. I thought they missed a little bit with the best catch. Uh, yeah. The best catch competition there during the flag football game. But for the most part, uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I thought the chains were, were welcome because the guys were engaged. And that was the thing that we were looking for the most. Yeah, there's no perfect solution. I no. mean, yeah, there's definitely some guys that are going to want to play in a game. There's probably a lot more guys that are not going to want to play in a game. And, hey, I saw today that like 6.3 million people uh, viewership in terms of the Pro Bowl. So that's really what matters, right? People are still watching this dumb thing no matter what it is. So that's good stuff. I want to ask you, what did you think about Derek Carr? having fun in front of the Vegas <laughs> crowd. Uh, you know, I, I re- he said the thing about, like, oh, I've never been this hot in Vegas before. I guess that's why I'm looking for a new home, which, like, the internet had a lot of fun with it. That He was, like, taking shots at the Raiders. It's like, I feel like that's kind of like you're taking shots mm-hmm. at yourself. Well, yeah, it was a little self-deprecating joke. Yeah, I mean, but he, uh, that's human. He, he was... He was feeling good about that after he after he got it off, you know, <laughs> walking around with his chest out, you know, all smug. But uh, it was it was a good line, you know. I I, yeah. I thought it was funny, but uh, yeah, I, I mentioned to him, I was like, hey, that was that was a that was a good bar. He was like, yep, proud of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it was rehearsed or? Uh, I or, I, don't I mean, know. It's a, it was a response to a question. I guess, I guess it couldn't have been rehearsed. Right. Well, but, how because he how it was response to a question like how could he have known that he was going to hit the thing that many times in a row? So. Uh, you yeah. could he could have like you know stared into the mirror and like practiced a few lines right yeah, like, like yeah. well, if they say this I can say that this is my moment um, you know he's got his uh, he's got his brother out there doing all the media uh, you know type of thing for him mm-hmm. so I don't know maybe maybe could have practiced a little bit a little bit a little bit I mean that wouldn't be that surprising not not at all no there's a reason <laughs> I said it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, any other takes from the Pro Bowl that uh, you think um, for, for the future uh, not really not that I can share on here. <laughs> okay, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk off air then. <laughs> Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The Shrine Bowl. Yeah. How was that? Uh, I didn't get into the game, actually, <laughs> because... <laughs> really? I, no, I didn't get in because it was overlapped. The, the Pro Bowl skills challenge was overlapping the start of the Shrine game, right? Uh, and I was at the Pro Bowl skills challenge up until the first quarter of the Shrine game. So mm. uh, by the time I got back to the Raiders stadium uh, for the game, the person who had the credentials had gone home, and they were just gone. Yikes. So, you know Eric Galco. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So he's we've all who, we've all been through the optimum scouting. Yeah, uh, we ranks. the the yeah yeah. That's a whole other podcast for a whole other day. But I I was sitting at the entrance, and he was like, "If you can get Eric Galco on the phone, like we'll let you in." So I was calling him over and over and over again, <laughs> and literally by the time I got back to my hotel, he texted me back. He's like, "Oh, I just saw this." So I didn't go to the Shrine game. I don't even know what happened. So well. 
I guess in that <laughs> now, now I'm really interested in doing a whole different podcast, which is the unedited Pro Bowl thoughts and the unedited uh, <laughs> awesome scouting recap. I think that'll be a good podcast for t- that's a, that'll be for our premium subscribers. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's why I have a gravel voice this week, you know, because I had a I had a good time last week. I mean, buddy, you've been on the road for a long time. Yeah, so yeah. I, I I don't blame you for the gravel voice. It's, we're we're gonna sound progressively worse. I remember watching uh, one of my Super Bowl videos from um, the Miami Super Bowl, the last time the Chiefs or the Chiefs and uh, 49ers, last time the Chiefs won. One of the mornings, I was like, "My God, they let me sound like <laughs> they let me talk to Ryan Fitzpatrick sounding like that, fighting phlegm the whole week." Just yeah, tough scene. Uh, we're, we're, we're professionals, though. We're ready for this. Um, like that. So, draft process in general. If we're not going to talk about the Shrine Game, um, you know, we, the Senior Bowl's in the books. The Shrine Game is in the books. Um, how does this draft class sort of start to stack up to you? What are, cause I don't know. I don't know a damn thing about any, almost any of the guys, like you know a few of the receivers names, the guys I got to get to watch in here uh, pretty soon. How does this draft uh, sort of start to stack up to you? Mm, it's not that exciting. To yeah. Me. I, that, I, I hate to say that like this, this far out, but, uh, you, you have, you have your guys at the top, like, uh, Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, who kind of seem like no-brainers, that they'll they'll figure it out and, and figure out how to be productive pros pretty quickly. But uh, there's like a, even as far as the quarterback debate goes, there's just a lot of questions with seemingly all these guys. You know, the C.J. Stroud the conundrum is kind of fascinating to me because he played his best game versus Georgia in the the, the college football playoff. But when you go back and you watch the rest of his season, there aren't really a whole lot of performances where. Uh, he looks anything like that. To me, Bryce Young is the best quarterback in the class, but no one knows really how tall he actually is. Yeah. He might be one of those guys that's like secretly like 5'9", like 190 or something like that. Uh, yeah, and look, he's, got, I'm, he's like trying to weigh in at 210 at the combine or whatever. Yeah, which, yeah. I mean, what's even the point? I don't like, know. Like, you go there and you weigh 210. Nobody thinks you're going to weigh 210 like two weeks afterwards. Yeah, or two hours afterwards, Yeah, honestly. shoot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, and, and even guys like Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, you can see the talent, but there are questions about them. So, uh, I don't know. It it, it it seems like this class is, it's not, uh, it's it's not, it's not too flashy to me. Yeah. Uh, there's like, there's a lot of solid linemen, uh, I think. But if you're looking for, you know, some of these big name wide receivers, even, it's just not, to me, it's not really a, a class that has those guys in it. Yeah, again, I haven't really started all my draft work yet, but. It is funny, like in the dynasty fantasy football community, this was supposed like build up to be a great class, like 2023, like get your 2023 picks, like trade veterans, grab those picks, stuff like that. And now it seems like the the consensus opinion is sort of going your direction where it's not that exciting, which just always kind of proves to me it's such a a fraught exercise to try to like project a draft class even a year in advance. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's why the, the draft is a waste of time and fun and important all all at the same time you know like i, I to me the funniest thing is when people get pissed off about mock drafts and like yeah i was gonna say in january but the correct answer is when people get pissed about mock drafts ever <laughs> what the, a good mock draft if you hit like eight picks in a first round 25 percent of the first round you're one of the best mock drafters of the year yeah what did josh norris got like a uh, eight picks right or something like that is one year and he doesn't stop talking about it yeah josh if you're listening to this stop stop okay <laughs> enough, enough already enough about the stupid mock draft bro give it a rest you're doing mock drafts <laughs> for yahoo though i know and I, i'm probably gonna be wrong as hell by the time <laughs> it's over like if i can get if i can get the first pick right that's all i need but i like i, I did one last year uh and I got the first pick wrong, uh, and that threw the whole thing off. So, it mm. I, I don't know. I just don't get why people get so mad about it. It's crazy. People get mad about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Okay, well, the, no, the people who, who, who seem to think that their favorite teams, who are usually bad, can never make a bad draft pick. Yeah, right. Like, what are you deluding yourself for? They, like, two months ago, you, were, you couldn't stop complaining about the product on the field or whatever, and now you think everything is going to work out fine? Yeah, your team won three games. You don't think they could add more <laughs> bad players to that? Get out of here. <laughs> Just follow the pattern, for God's sakes. Uh, all right. Let's move into what I really want to do here today, Charles, which we're going to do our big Super Bowl preview on the next show. I almost hit Curtis with that card there. I feel, I feel kind of bad about that one. Um, we're going to do our big Super Bowl preview on the next show. But I kind of want to do 
a little fun version of like how these teams got here, um, which I always think is fun to like look at the two Super Bowl teams and kind of try to paint the road that they took to to making it here, to being the last two teams left. But I want to do the, through the lens of some takes that aged pretty poorly uh, for both these teams. Okay. I'm not going to call out anybody in particular. I didn't go, uh, you know, full old takes exposed or whatever, and you'll know, look up whatever. But so maybe I'm doing some straw men here. I don't care. These are definitely things. Sure, show you can do whatever you want. That's a good point. I can do whatever <laughs> I want here. And and same to you. You yeah. got any bad takes you want to throw out there that you, that you remember from the no, offseason? I don't go remember anything. Well, that's that's fair. What I definitely remember, though, and we'll start with the Eagles here. And this one, I can I, I did uh, quote to, or I did quote tweet an old tweet of mine. That's a lot of tweets. Quote tweet an old tweet of mine from uh, draft night talking about man AJ Brown. You know, top five talent, top five potential receiver. The guy's a stud. And there are so many responses in there about well, too bad his quarterback can't throw. You know, too bad is too bad he's playing with a running back or huge quarterback downgrade. Any sort of anti. Jalen Hurts' take has aged extremely poorly uh, as we sit here just a few days away from him playing in a Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, Jeff Lurie said yesterday basically that he's going to get whatever I know. extension that, that I guess the market decides that he, he... Did that surprise you at all? Um, A little bit. I mean, that, that he would just kind of give it up like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I feel like we don't see... Uh, we, we don't really see front offices come out and give up their leverage yeah. that that easily that was the only thing I mean, that, shoot the the ravens are still trying to like play chicken with lamar a little right, bit all right. these and, years later and i think lamar is a, a much like a, a, a different class of quarterback than jalen hurts is yeah. and he still can't get his money so uh that i thought that that was a little interesting i i think just um there are areas where jalen still has to get better uh i mean even that that 49ers game last week was pretty rough for him yeah. and sure. he's going through the shoulder thing but uh anyone who said that he should like have to switch positions or something like that you've been proven horribly horribly wrong uh on that one because he's certified or established himself as uh the Eagles next franchise quarterback and the Eagles owner says he's going to get paid accordingly so you are wrong you were very wrong and I know I've, I've said this on the show all year long. I wish I had been a little more imaginative about Jalen Hurts specifically and his – because if you look at him from his final year at Alabama to his season at Oklahoma to his first two years in the NFL, he has gotten incrementally better. Mm -hmm. Like from an adjusted yards per attempt standpoint, he went – he took a boost when he went from Alabama to Oklahoma. He took another jump from his first year to his second year, and obviously this year he's taken a huge jump as well. I wish I had trickled that down to the receivers more because, I mean, I love these two receivers. Like I said, A.J. Brown, I was a big fan of. He's been top three in success rate versus man in press coverage. I remember talking to you about that in the offseason uh, in each of the last three years in reception perception. But And Devontae Smith, too. I mean, he's that's another guy that people have been proven wrong about as well, the low BMI stuff, all of that. Um, I know he didn't actually catch that pass in the conference championship game. No, but he did not. It was close. It, it looked it was, good. It, it looked, looked good, it looked though. Good. Yeah, it looked good. I, it wasn't even really that close. He, he no. I mean, he, he got up and was like, like run, let's go, let's go, let's go. Yeah, run the play. Yeah, and Kyle yeah. Shanahan's still, like, looking around like a throw that challenge. Which is crazy because you almost never see anyone get that off in, no, in, that, never. in that scenario. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th these guys, they, they've they figured out basically how to play with Jalen Hurts uh, in, in a way that is almost flawless uh, in terms of the strengths of all of their skill sets kind of meshing together. Uh, and that gives a lot of credit to Jalen. Devonta, AJ, the coaching staff, and like the, the Eagles' offense on a whole is just a machine, man. Yeah, like they, the, the offensive line is so good that it allows them to do a whole lot of things, and they've acquired the skill talent to kind of make everything pop. So, uh, even like it, it, that's what kind of gives them a chance, even when you're looking at a quarterback that's as good as Patrick Mahomes on, on the other side. It's just the whole collection of talent for the Eagles is special. It really is, and there's so many different ways they can they can attack you. And I, I, again, we'll preview the game on the next show, but you know, just thinking about like, Hey, if they want to take away the run game, which, cause they have a great run game. And I mean, I wouldn't say like Miles Sanders is, I mean, he definitely had a great season. He didn't score a touchdown or what did he score like one or, or zero touchdowns last year. Yeah. I think it, it was in that ballpark. Yeah. It, it was either one or zero. I can't remember off the top of my head, but regardless, not a lot. And he had a really great season this year after Telling us not to draft him in fantasy, which was terrible advice. Uh, you just definitely should have drafted Miles Sanders in fantasy. They have a great run game. I wouldn't say they have like a special stable of backs, but you mentioned it's the offensive line, the way that Howie has always, you know, emphasized the trenches. And I think that's a big lesson to take away from this team. Like, 
I, I know that some people push back at me when I said this on, online, but the fact that the Eagles won a Super Bowl like five, six years ago, and they had it not just a different co- coach, but also a different quarterback. Like you rarely see teams change over both positions and then get right back to like a winning identity. But I think because of what they do on the offensive line and the defensive line, I think that's a big reason why they're here. Yeah. Uh, they, this is kind of, I feel like where they've been good at building their team just over the past five or so years. Cause even when you look at their, their, their downturn, they've never really fell all that far. And they've been able to keep veterans together through that. And a lot of that is, is through the trenches. So, um, you know, it, I, I remember I was at the Eagles Giants game, and after the game was over, you were down in the, the the hallways outside the locker room, and Howie Roseman's kind of giving himself a, a pat on the back for the job that he's done building the Eagles, and <laughs> it's you know, he he kind of deserves it. He like does, it, yeah. it's it's an incredible thing that they've built. And you even looking at their pass rushers, you've got like four guys with ten or more sacks. That's insane. That, that's insane. Um, so you know, I I I, I just as like as a person who loves football theater like the idea of Mahomes having to withstand something like that it it gets really excited for the game on Sunday yeah it's it's going to be pretty fun and obviously last time we saw Mahomes in a Super Bowl he was harassed by a really good pass rush this is way way better way different animal of course they've invested on the offensive line as well so they can you know maybe get past it but anything else on the Eagles stand out is like where people misevaluated them any bad takes coming into this year um no I think I think the Hurts thing is probably the biggest uh I, and, and you know it, it, it's interesting because, like, what what quarterbacks wouldn't be able to make you know Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, yeah, AJ Brown work? So like the idea that he wouldn't have been able to work with that at all is pretty pretty crazy. But remember when you know they had all those first round picks? They only ended up picking one player in the first round this past year. Obviously, um, Jordan Davis, who you know had his moments this year for sure. He had some injuries as well, but like. Mm-hmm. They ha- there was all this like ammunition of draft capital that they had. And people were like, well, you know, if Hurts doesn't work out this year, they can just trade up next year and, and keep it moving. And I don't think they're having that conversation oh, no, now. No. Now it's the, now it's the conversation of how much are we going to pay this guy? When are we going to pay this guy? And I think that'll yeah. be. At, and now you're at the point where the rest of your roster is so good, and you still have two first round picks, including the tenth overall pick. Um, and, and the tenth overall pick, like that's one of those picks that you can turn into more draft capital. Uh, like you know, if you're picking a 31 or 32, that the value on that kind of drops a lot from the top 10. But you know, if you're picking top 10 and you don't you don't really love a prospect, you could trade down and still pick up a first for next year and still have an opportunity to pick someone in the first round this year. So they have a lot of flexibility. They have a lot of talent, uh, and it seems like they've got their franchise quarterback too. So it's it's a good spot. It's a good spot to be in if you're an Eagles fan for sure. It's pretty amazing that if you are an Eagles fan, you get to not only get excited about the Super Bowl on Sunday, but you can be one of the people getting mad about a mock draft and like a top ten overall pick right now. You can do both things right now, realistically, as an Eagles fan. That's a that's a good that's a good spot to be no, in. Yeah, but we that means we've given too much power to Philly fans, which is a dangerous thing. Very yeah. dangerous thing. Those yeah. people cannot be trusted. And I say that with a lot of love in my heart. <laughs> Yeah, you're an, you're, an, you're an East Coast guy. You've you've, yeah. ex, you've experienced it plenty. Um, yeah, that is definitely a. We've let them become way too strong. Yes, yeah, that's for sure. All right, let's talk about Kansas City here real quick before we get out of here. Um, this is another team I think that outkicked a lot of expectations, which is weird to say, but I mean, how many times did you see like a division preview of the AFC West, and it's like, oh man, because the Chiefs finished fourth in their division, they trade away Tyree Kill. Well. They were just the best passing offense in the NFL this year. Yeah, that's why I was able to ride the dumbest take of all time. Patrick, uh, the, the greatest take yeah, of all it's, time. It's the best dumbest take ever. Patrick Mahomes is the most underrated player in football. Because I, I, at first I just had that take because the NFL Top 100 came out and he was like number eight. And I was like, it's way too low. That's way, <laughs> too, way low. too low. He, he, like, at the time, it was like, he can be one or he can be two. And the other one can be Aaron Donald. Like, yeah. that's it. It's those, it was, at the time coming to the season, it was those two guys. And I, I, I just felt like people really underestimated how much better Patrick Mahomes is than every other quarterback in the league. Uh, and this year, there, I don't think there's any, there's any better proof than what he did this year. I mean, just absolutely burned the league down again. Tyreek Hill's out. Travis Kelsey was still great, but... When you look at they, just their wideouts, they didn't have like a true dominant number one guy out there like yeah. they did with Tyreek. And and the difficult part of losing someone like Tyreek uh, 
is there's a target vacuum now. Mm-hmm. Like, you still have the same quarterback, still got a lot of the same pieces around, but Tyreek's gone, so other guys are going to have to step up on the fly because anytime Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, you're expected to be here mm-hmm. at the Super Bowl. So you, you don't have time to, like, waste a year to try and, and figure out, you know, X, Y, and Z and how we can put this together. Uh, but when you have 15 back there, you can do anything. Like, yeah. you and me could go out there and maybe we could score 20 points with Patrick Mahomes at a quarterback. <laughs> I don't know. With your, might, with your back and my <laughs> knee, I'm going to take the under on 20 it, points. It, it, it might be a little tough. But, you know, it, it's just the, the, the funniest thing to me when you go on Twitter right now and anyone posts a, a graph about quarterback efficiency, right? Oh, yeah. It, there's just a line of red <laughs> that is so far ahead of anyone else. I mean, someone posted today uh, his, like, EPA per attempt against top five pass defenses, and he is so – ridiculous. He's, he's, like, playing at a, a Pro Bowl level against even the best quarter best defenses that you can see in the league. So he's different, man. Yeah. Like, he's just – a different breed of quarterback makes no sense. And it's okay to say that and like recognize it. It's still it's still pretty early in his career. I mean, he's like what, 26, 27, something like that at this point and but we are seeing something different. We are seeing something I don't want to say unprecedented, but I mean just from like what he's uh, it, it kind of is. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's wild. I mean, I, like whether he'll ever have the same amount of success from a Super Bowl standpoint, like as but as Brady, but he's been to five straight AFC Championship games. This will be his third Super Bowl, and he's he didn't even start his first season. Yeah, every year that Patrick Mahomes has started, the Chiefs are at minimum coming within one game of the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, I, I know that we tend to the way that I think Americans look at sports media it tends to be like. It's almost oh. as bad as getting like getting to the game and losing is almost as bad as like not getting there at all. Yeah. Uh, but when you have a chance to play for Super Bowls that often, no one else is doing that. Right. It's five straight AFC championship games. Uh like this is this is this is like some video game. <laughs> uh, like it, it, it makes it makes no sense. Uh I, I I watch him and I'm blown away. You know, the 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 throw that he had last week. Marcus Valdez Scantling on the goal line against oh, the Bengals. Yeah. And, and he's just like, he's moving around in the pocket and he looks up and he just drills him right in the chest. Like that, that is, it's, it's different. It's different. It's special. Yeah. So I, the, the people who are like, if you're, if you're already getting bored of this Patrick Mahomes thing, you got to buckle in, man. Like yeah, it's going <laughs> like, to be a long ride. Like, we could conceivably be doing this for the next 15 years. So buckle in. I'm shoot. If we're doing this for 15 years, I feel pretty good about it. Me too. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And and it you mentioned MVS, like the collection of receivers around him, you know, obviously it's a huge deal to to lose a guy like Tyree Kill. Not only the production of the target vacuum that you mentioned, but just the way the teams defend defend the offense as a whole. Like nobody saw more man coverage earlier in the se- early in the season than the Chiefs wide receivers, and it's like these guys ended up, you know, between MVS, Sky Moore, and Juju Smith-Schuster, like they had like 1800 yards or whatever but from an on-field impact perspective it's clear like who's doing the elevating here and that's what i think makes this season so special from him and why he's gonna win mvp and why he could take home a second super bowl here yeah he's he's hit lebron status he should win mvp every single year until he retires but you know no, obviously there, there, there'll yeah. be fatigue but like i said a million times now he's different a couple other things i think that were interesting about the chiefs like in and just the way they were misevaluated. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco kind of emerging for them as like a power runner. I think really he's never been from like a fantasy perspective. A lot of people listen to the show, you know, fantasy stuff like that. He's never been a consistent performer week to week. because He doesn't play a ton in the passing game, except last week. He started to play a ton in the passing game, which I thought was interesting. Um, But the element that he's brought them because they have a great offensive line that they've invested in as just a physical tone setting guy, I think has made a big deal, has made a big difference for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh they they kinda they kinda needed that a little bit. Uh that, that kind of runner in the backfield. And and what's interesting about how the Chiefs have been built for this season is they can be this team that kind of takes the load off of Mahomes if he's dinged yeah. up or if he needs to if he needs like a rest or whatever, because they can really run the football like yeah. <laughs> like when they need to. They got a, a big, powerful offensive line. Uh they got some guys that can really move the chains like Pacheco and uh when you have someone as good as Mahomes, that gives you more running lanes and, and more opportunities to 
to kind of to gash defenses. It, it it really is just like a machine where, you know, Mahomes is the inertia for how defenses are going to play the Chiefs' offense, but they have a lot of good players, especially in, in terms of how the run game is constructed, that uh, can take the load off, which is kind of why they've been an impossible offense to defend all, all season. Yeah, and they're a beautiful example of, like, both things can be true. Um, there are, like, that small handful of, of loud weirdos who are, like, sick of Mahomes or want to, like, be a Mahomes detractor or whatever. You know, they're like, well, Andy Reid, great coach. Travis Kelsey, I mean, he's, he's the reason the offense is that good. And it's like, yeah, those things can all be true. And also everything that we're saying about 15 can still be true, that he is different, that he is, like, an unprecedented talent, which, yeah, again, it's like 20 weirdos on Twitter probably that feel this way. But yeah. you you got to call those 20 weirdos out. Yeah. Screw you should you should feel <laughs> screw you, you should feel bad. You are bad, and you should feel yeah, bad. Exactly. Uh, last thing, just on the Chiefs, um, their defense I think was underrated for different parts of this year. But this feels like the Spag story every single year. Steve Spagnuolo, it's like all right, he kind of feels things out in, in the regular season. Then like he becomes a real game plan heavy coach, not quite to the same degree as like. Lou Anarumo with the Bengals, who is more consistent week to week, like coming up with these really creative game plans and, and different coverages and everything like that. But this is this is what Spags does every year. It's like their defense steps up in the playoffs. And I think getting over the Bengals thing last week was probably a big deal for that defense as well. Yeah, I, like since since midseason, they've been a, a fairly good defense. Uh, Chris Jones, obviously, is the, oh, he's the anchor yeah, for everything. Yeah, so good. And when he is locked in like he has been for the whole season, like that – it, it just different kind of it, it just changes the game for you when you have someone who is that explosive and and you know just dropping bombs on the offensive line like all over the place and, and making it difficult so uh it's a true it, game record yeah you know, it's a game record setter. which they kind of need when you're talking about a secondary that has so many young guys it's uh, crazy how many there. like rookies and and the lack of money that they're spending on the secondary but um which is an interesting point as well like they there's been a big debate, you know, the last like five years among football dorks, like what's more important, pass rush or coverage. And the Chiefs are definitely a, a from a resource perspective, a, a money allocation standpoint. They're certainly leaning more into the pass rush and the coverage part of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chris Jones, he's got a huge contract. Uh, George Kalafos is the first round pick. They've traded for Frank Clark. So, you know, they've, they've added Carlos Dunlap. Added like Carlos a, Dunlap. Yeah. Right. So that that's something that they definitely find important and are trying to put resources into. But uh, I I don't want to sound like a hater when I say this, but like they've kind of got a little bit lucky with sure. with how these guys have hit because you know you're talking about day three guys at cornerback in the NFL having huge moments in the AFC Championship game like that's there's unusual. some luck yeah, yeah there's <laughs> there's some luck involved in that and I don't I don't think that that's uh, a bad thing you know that they they were confident in the players that they took and it's just working out for them uh, you know I. I was talking to Trent McDuffie today about like that exact same thing at the uh, uh, the, the the media availability they had the team hotel, and he was just saying that they they were kind of able to just learn together, and yeah. and you learn on the fly and play and practice against guys like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey makes things a whole lot better for you. Trent was saying that when he got to training camp, Travis was running routes that he hadn't seen, and Mahomes was throwing <laughs> with his eyes closed. Uh, that's a that's a baptism by fire right yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. So if you're getting cooked every day in training camp, I can imagine that <laughs> coming in coming in and playing the the actual games is probably a little bit easier for you. So yeah, you get uh, out there against Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton, and you're like, all right, this isn't, this isn't so bad. I, I, I can handle. I this. can handle it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's crazy. They because because usually when you think about what are the hardest positions to play in sports, like cornerback is is among the most difficult, and not only just like the physical aspect of moving backwards and trying to defend routes and, and play the ball in the air, but also just the mental side of learning in the NFL playbook, yeah. which is, it's a whole different beast than, than what you're going to see in college. So, uh, you know, I talked to Juan Thornhill today about that too. He said, you know, in, in college, you might have seven or eight, you know, things that you really lean on throughout the course of a whole season. But when you get to the NFL, you can have, you can install seven or eight things that you never touch until week yeah. 18 when you need a call on a specific third and seven on the 30 yard line, something like that. So uh, it's a different beast, but the fact that they've been able to do it is it's one of the stories of, of this chiefs team. hundred percent. And when you have a guy like Chris Jones taking up the salary cap space that he does and, and Mahomes too, like, I think this, if, if Mahomes wins this super bowl and the chiefs win the super bowl, like it'll be the first time that 
somebody that's taking up that percentage of the cap will, from a quarterback standpoint, will win a Super Bowl, which I almost, I almost kind of like hope the Chiefs win just so we can not have that talking point anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I don't think it should be necessarily like, okay, you just got to get a rookie quarterback, rookie quarterback, a rookie contract, and you know if you can get a high end starter on a rookie contract, like you, that's the solving the problem. There's got to be other ways to do it, but I guess the other way to do it is just have Patrick Mahomes, which only one team gets to do. Yeah, but you got to pay him. So, but you got to pay him. Yeah, uh, and and I think that's uh, that's where we probably both fall down here. Is that like it's great when you can have the rookie contract advantage, but for God's sakes, like you got to pay the great players, and uh, and you it's fine fig- yeah. as long as they perform. The contract's usually worth it. Yeah, and you can find ways to fill it in on the back end with, and it, like, the secondary that we're talking about and just coaching these guys up and everything. But uh, Charles McDonald, that's going to do for us. All right, cool. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, hell of a show. Appreciate you, buddy. Uh, what else you got working on this week that people can check out? Uh, too much. I'm on, <laughs> I'm on uh, Chiefs duty for the week, so you can definitely check out what I'm reporting on on Yahoo this week. Uh, and i uh, got another podcast coming up shortly with uh, – uh, Charles Robinson and Dan Wetzel, So, Oh, hey, before you get out of here, though, um, we do got to talk about your big career achievement. You're, you're reconnecting with Andy oh, Reid oh, on Andy the back Reed. of Le- yeah, last night. Last night, yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I had a chance to talk to Andy at media night, and I asked him if he remembered. So five years ago, I got a mac and cheese recipe from Andy Reid at the airport, uh, and I had a chance to ask him about it yesterday, and I asked him if he remembered uh, – the, the cheeses that he sent me that were in it and he didn't but he did remember me and he said that I look good and I, have, yeah. I look like I haven't been eating a whole lot of mac and cheese which is true because it makes my stomach upset now so oh well yeah. that, that's uh becoming almost 30 for you well, buddy I'm 31 and uh let Sorry me tell you that. Yeah, let me tell you what the uh the hotel room is stocked with uh, with Pepto we're bringing it back to stomach issues here as we're ending the show <laughs> but definitely if you haven't uh checked it out already go to four verts uh Charles Twitter and check out the Andy Reid um media night mac and cheese recap i mean that was that was really cool man. yeah that, that was the, cool. you what'd you say like dreams come true yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to reconnect with over the mac and cheese dreams come true i mean you guys are like this close to you know maybe at least like having a burger together yeah. or something andy come on text me you got my number yeah you got, you got his number i mean for god's sake come on the show we'll we'll all talk we'll talk mac and cheese and i mean no football no football, just make mac it and cheese. There we go. All right, that is going to do it for us. If you don't already, make sure you're following us both on Twitter, but especially follow Charles at 4 You can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We got a lot of stuff coming up this week. We're going to be talking with Austin Eckler. We got a bunch of fun guests. It's going to be a great week. So excited to do it all with you guys. Appreciate you. Until then, we're out.